Well, 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 well. Hello, folks, and welcome to We the Peeps. This is the American Soccer Podcast in which you attempt to get unconfused about the U.S. <laughs> men's national team. Uh, my name is Clayton, and I'm a rapper. I'm Ty Fujimura, and I am the CEO of Cantilever, a website consultancy. First name, last name, <laughs> bitches, and we love the Nats. to distract you from this uh, shit show. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> All right, let's see this thing. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. Folks, the game was USA versus Canada, the second game of the Nations League and the biggest game in in Canada's recent history, uh, and it would end 0-2. to two. That's USA 0, Canada 2. There were infinity ins and outs on the way to get there, and I have a feeling that a lot there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of different reads of what just went down. So let's dive into all of it. Remember, folks, uh, the number one thing you can do to help us is to tell someone, anyone, literally anyone, about our show. And don't forget that if you'd like to uh, slang comments back and forth with us, uh, do so on Twitter at WTPPod. Tell your mom. Tell your mom. If the first person who whose mom emails us to say that they're listening to the show because their child put it on their phone. Moms don't know how to play that shit. Uh, go to your mom's iPhone. We'll be changing the world. Uh, subscribe to our show. Leave a review. First Five person, stars, who, first please. mom who emails us is an instant peep winner. Straight to win. Winner. You can win that same peep, by the way, by being a mom and telling your child about the show. Another way in. That's true. That's also true. We've got uh, shout out to my moms out there. You do you know you know how to play podcasts. I'm just I'm just poking fun. <laughs> shout out to my moms. Shout out to my moms out there, including my mom. <laughs> and housekeeping. <laughs> All right, so let's dive right in. Let's get them lined up cuz we have got a lot to Rubik's cube out of this one. Try to figure out what the fuck is going on with this here team. Line up both gloves, four gloves, five gloves. How many gloves? How many gloves are there in the world? Give them all to Zach. Two Stephen. hockey gloves. Two hockey gloves. Uh, give him. Give him shoes for his hands and gloves for his feet. <laughs> uh, he's gonna. It's gonna be a bunch of stuff he's got to do out there. Uh, and then we've got Aaron Long and Tim Ream. That's Long Ream uh, time here. It's it's the classic pairing you know and love. That's that's how the night felt. Then, <laughs> of course, welcome back, DeAndre Yedlin. Welcome back, baby. Uh, and Serginho Lovitz. Uh, that's Daniel Lovitz, of course. Uh, and then we're going to have in the midfield, my, bald, balding Michael Bradley, the, the, the old version, uh, oldie but a goodie, uh, Weston McKenney, and of course, of course, the Pookie Bay, Christian Roldan. Uh, on the left, <laughs> it is... It World is, star. World star, world star Roldan. On the left, we've got the Porcelain Prince. Get him on that shelf. Uh, Christian Pulisic. We'll get to that. On the right, it's going to be Jordan Morris. And then, of course, the boy that would be king, Josh Sargent. Folks, this game was uh, tense. It was twas taut. And it was uh, not fully lost until the 90th minute, I would say. Although... There were there was one moment in particular where it really felt like all hope was lost. I will get there. On the way there, uh, there was uh, this game started out with a bunch of uh, Lovitz 
mishaps, uh, just truly proving that he is many levels below. Uh, I loved uh, Ian Dark's uh, communicating the confusion of the TFC fans when they found out that Daniel Lovitz was like still in MLS and also uh, was now a U.S. national team player, having been like summarily cut from TFC. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yikes. Uh, So it was... It was it was Lovitz doing Lovitz shit, uh, and then the 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 scariest moment early on in this game for us was Christian Roldan just absolutely handing it to Jonathan David. Uh, Stefan got pretty big, but Jonathan David still could have slot this one away. It went inches to the right and low. Uh, and then a WTP highlight. Uh, this is me just noticing for the first time that Yedlin has got a very imposing tattoo that says Gentry, I believe. Um, uh, anybody know yeah. what the fuck is going on with that? I, I do know what the fuck is going on with that. That is the name of his grandfather's uh, atelier clothing shop place that he huh. his grandfather opened in Arizona. And it was like the 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 ballerist clothing shop in all of Arizona. I love it. The, the story makes it better. Uh, now, because why the, look... the neck, though? <laughs> Is I mean that's where that's where Baby D loses me because that's, that's prime real estate. That is right prime there. real estate. I was joking like a year ago that I want to invest. If you could invest in people, I would invest. So I've been invested. I should have invested further so I could have been on the board for that decision because I'm not sure yeah. how my stock yeah, price is going to do. Yeah, right. right. Um, you'd, you'd have voting voting shares. Yeah. All right. So anyway. Yedlin, Yedlin was having a nice game. Uh, he had a bunch of really good uh, dribbles, crosses, creating opportunities. Morris was creating opportunities as well. Uh, fun, uh, fun moment for us was when McKenney just absolutely suns Fraser, uh, Fraser uh, on like three or four dribbles, just confuses the shit out of him, and then does a pass back and then uh, draws a frustration some, foul. Some crouching tiger shit. <laughs> it was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, he was tiptoeing <laughs> on shingled roofs and and. Uh, <laughs> And fucking he, he McKenny gets all in Fraser's face and turns this into a yellow. Great job, McKenny. Halftime concerning halftime interview with Greg Berhalter, in which Greg asserts that yes, indeed, Canada have had some good chances on the counter, uh, which is <laughs> not what happened in the first half. It was very much, very much possession from the run of play chances for Canada. Uh, no, we had some chances on the counter. <laughs> So, okay, all right. Uh, And then uh, second half, Yikes! Morris caps a defender, draws three, hands it off to Pulisic, who tamely hits it directly at the keeper in the 50th minute. That was indicative of what we would see in the 59th, which was an unprecedented crazy man decision from Greg Berhalter to pull Christian Pulisic for none other than Paulie Areola Nips. Oh my God. Nips done come a long way. You are subbing on for Christian Pulisic, my friend, in the 60th minute. And uh, there is one surefire way to create a team-wide mental lapse. That's subbing your best player off uh, early on in this game. And that's exactly what happened. A team-wide mental lapse led by led by none other than Michael Bradley. Uh, and Alfonso Davies maybe scores. It, this definitely could have been a Jonathan David goal. But, it, you know, Alfonso Davies gets the... the the ostensive the shot on goal, which Stefan may have saved, and then the rebound for sure was put in. Canada goes one up all of a sudden. Now, uh, Polisicless uh, US would attempt, and then another sort of strange and not yet 
and not yet precedented in the Burhalter era sub pattern occurred in which I guess Zardes comes on for Roldan, creating a two striker system, which I don't think we've ever seen with from Burhalter. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Lima comes on for the the fucking vintage pr- peak of his career. Yedlin uh, <laughs> is subbed off for yeah. the Lima Bean. Um, for the Bean. For the <laughs> also, bean. My, my favorite part of the substitution is how Sergeant sees Zardes, you know. Uh, get preparing to come in, and he assumes he's coming out. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even look at the numbers, dude. Everyone did. It took me a long yeah. time to catch up with this one. I was like, he "Wait, that's trotting to the What sidelines. is this? What's that? What's happening?" Oh, that uh, was and then brutal. in the ninetieth minute, was like ready to go in a hole and you know never appear again for the next. So ready. I, yeah. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but in the ninetieth minute, Cavallini finishes the job. It's a two nil loss. Ty, what were your first? impressions uh it's a bad loss it's not the the magnitude that people were saying i mean comparing it to trinidad i think it's a little much given that the nation's league was invented like five minutes ago and you know we're, we're not especially invested in in winning it um so it's it's just disappointing on similar axes to what we've experienced lately except you know a little more heightened because it is a it is a formal competition and you know, you're looking at a team that's on the fringes of the hex in in Canada, and we were nowhere close to them. Real quick sidebar to yeah. your to your first impressions. When I watched this Canada team, they looked a lot better than their FIFA standings. Do you have it? Can you explain to me why did they just get good like a few days ago? Why is it that they're on the fringes of the hex still? Yeah, yeah, their their uh, new generation coming in hasn't really had the time to you know implement the results they wanted, and also they did they they had a pretty bad loss in the Gold Cup. They had a good team and they lost to uh, Haiti um, in the quarters, which they you know is a game they they really want back. Um, I think it was like a late late winner as well, so it's like dramatic. So you know that that contributes to it, um, but they have the chance to rectify that now. I mean, un- undoubtedly, they're one of the best six teams in the region. Um, but I think they do. You know, they're they're going to face similar things to the U.S., where these you know hot housed MLS players are going to go down to uh, San Pedro Sula and just get worked because they have no no clue how to manage that kind of environment. And they, you know, I think the U.S. has potentially a, a 11 that can thrive in that, those kind of situations. But uh, Canada's, you know, this is their, they're, they're not, they don't have the depth, you know, still that the U.S. pool has. So, um, but, you know, nonetheless, these are the kind of games that we're going to need to win if we want to qualify. And it looked like we could play that game over and over and we were never going to win. So it's uh, it's an indictment, and you know, for for the bazillionth time, you, we don't think the coaches fit to manage the team. Um, you know, you can time. you can point to selection, you can point to uh, player availability, um, players calling, you know, not not being here because they're with U twenty threes, they turned down a call up, or they're injured, or whatever. But the team we put out there is dramatically more talented than the Canadian team. Not dramatically, but more more talented. And should all should around, be a favorite. Yes. And and was not a favorite uh by any means. And that has to come down to the coaching. So whether it's the actual ideas or it's the fact that the team doesn't seem to know exactly how to implement those ideas, or maybe the team is frustrated about those ideas. Maybe some of the decisions, some of the favoritism is causing a rift 
in the group, but the group looked listless, you know, unmotivated. And the one game I really compared it to was the uh, 4-0 defeat to Costa Rica in World Cup qualifying. That was Jurgen's last game. Uh, And that was the last time I saw the team really be this uh, flat in a a competitive um, situation. So very distressing. I have to say that I feel a little bit like a fucking crazy person because I I feel as if I maybe didn't see the same game that everyone else did uh, this time around. So context all the way from that friendly versus Mexico post Gold Cup until now, the friendly versus Mexico, we started to see us actually try to play the system for the first time under Greg. And all the way until now, we've gotten one or a 0.5 players player selection better each game and we've gotten you know one uptick in the ability to pass the ball and move the ball quickly each game and for the first half of this game I was feeling like this was a good team playing a good team um I thought I I thought Canada looked amazing I thought Alfonso Davies looks like a fucking world beater out there uh and I was saying to myself this is a good game I'm finally watching good soccer uh from this team in a competitive match Am I a fucking crazy person? That wasn't my take uh, from the first half. I mean, I think, you know, I, I was still seeing a lot of um, just passing it to the opposition, including in the first half, the Roldan uh, uh, excellent through ball to Jonathan David uh, that <laughs> David manages to miss twice on on Stefan. So I think, you know, I, I fully respect and, uh, you know, appreciate it's, I, it's art more than science, you know, what, what you take away from these, these games. Um, but I think if, if David just finishes that, I, I don't think there's any way that you could call the first half performance a good one. So that's, and that's not, that has nothing to do with the U S really. So, so for me, it's, uh, I, I, I was still seeing so many errors, but I will say that the errors aren't part of the system. You know what I mean? Like the, if if right. guys can't complete a simple through ball, or like Josh Sargent's first touch looks like Giassi Zardes' first touch, like that's that's on the guys. That's not on the coach. Again, feel like a crazy person. I saw Josh Sargent have three or four plays in that first half that reminded me of our conversation last episode, and I was thinking that's why Josh Sargent's here. He he quick he quick turned. He gave a through ball. He handled uh, difficult. Um, difficult service in a tidy way a number of times. There were a couple mistakes, but Josh Sargent, Christian Roldan uh, somehow somehow started to convince me in this first half. And I just, I feel like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Like I feel like a fucking, so there's two, there's two of me. Okay. There's the me who says Greg Berhalter, brother to the president is our coach. We, we go to the world cup with him or we don't go to the world cup at all. Or we don't go to the World Cup with him, right? Um, and it, in that world, if that's the world, I see signs of life. I am beginning to see signs of life, and more so with each passing game. And I think this Canada team was really fucking good. I don't understand their FIFA ratings. I don't know their whole story or how this happened. But I think that they were a solid team that we lost to. Now, all that being said, the other me is the guy who still believes that Greg is not the best coach and has felt that way for actually six months at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's talk to that guy for a second. Uh, concerning Greg Berhalter things, there, it seems like this system is 
a distraction of some kind. Would you agree that there's there is so much that these players seem to be thinking about that they are overthinking. They're ending up making strange decisions. It seems like it takes them. They they it seems as if they have the fear of God in them that if they don't do these sort of these these <laughs> arbitrary things, like uh, picadillos, yeah, yeah, that that, that they're going to be pulled from the field, which they will. Greg will pull you if you don't do the Greg things. So they're all thinking like way too much. Uh, did you did you see the same? I could totally see that. I mean, for me, I still don't have a lot of clarity on what exactly that is. That's that's not just like standard good soccer. You know, the 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 thing about oh, we're trying these specific progressions, like the winger, like the fullback passes to the winger who dribbles and then cuts it back for the striker, like. That's that's like a hundred years of uh, soccer strategy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not I'm not seeing where like you know. But I, I to your point. I mean, uh, Kwame on our our text chain last night was observing. We had the that longest text chain. A lot of ever. the uh, a lot of the the midfielders seem to be kind of getting in each other's way. And one aspect of the the system 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 <laughs> one <laughs> the aspect system. of the system is uh, <laughs> this like interchange between players. So like. The wingers are supposed to end up swapping with the tens, and the eights are supposed to, you know, swap with fullbacks and stuff. So, and those those movements and patterns might be the kind of thing you're talking about, where they're like, "Oh yeah. shit, I, it was my turn." Oh, I didn't know it was my turn. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're not just playing. I see yeah. two. I see two sources of that problem. One is that Greg Berhalter is a club coach. He clearly was not aware of the difference between teaching club and international, and is still not. I mean, he's 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 overcomplicating this in a way that you could pull off if you're with the team six days a week, uh, but you just can't do on the international level. I think that's a very reasonable theory, and that that's you know going back to twelve months ago, our stance was hire a steward. Not yeah. not a coach who's going to like implement a vision, and um, we got a vision guy, and we we got we got a we seem to have gotten a vision guy, and I thought yeah. he would be more of a steward because I thought, perhaps naively, I thought that because of his pedigree and his history with the team, like that he would be less ego e- egocentric than the prior head coaches we've had. But I perhaps we're learning that most coaches just are very egocentric, and they have their uh, particular you know concepts that that they'll live and die by so you know for us for me I'm, I'm disappointed that we haven't gotten a steward who just says let's essentially just play tabs system which is it's great i mean there's there's like two or three little ideas there uh they just play four three three everybody knows what positions they're kind of eligible to come in at and what the responsibilities of those positions are and it's you know he has to make it approachable because he's dealing with with amateur players children and i think that's exactly the kind of thing that you should do i mean i i didn't you know again maybe i'm missing something but like i didn't see particularly complex patterns in didier deschamps 433 well isn't or, that just the perfect example i mean it, you see you saw from that world cup you know a a a germany attempt complexity and just fall flat on their yeah. fucking face. And there's, you see France just like, be like, we're going to just put talent out there, hold it down. Yeah, yeah. You, you so could that, say... I mean, um, ta- tab yeah. for president. Tab for president. Absolutely. And by for president, sure. I mean sure. manager. Uh, the counter example, I guess, is like in England where they, they did a thing 
at the World Cup and it it came off. But I, I just think the vast majority of the time, especially, you know, another factor is like our players come from so many different leagues and so many different styles themselves. Yeah. Like, And it's also like to gather the English national team, they are taking like train rides. You know, they're not right. they're not flying for eight fucking hours. Yeah. You know, and it's like they, they just have more chances to see the players and train and all that. So for me, my my wish for the national team coach is that they just get out of the fucking way. Get out the bring goddamn in, way. Bring in the 23 best players we have. Or like, fine, cut some players because they're assholes or they don't fit or whatever. But bring in 23 of the best 30 players, <laughs> you know, if you're going to win a competitive game. And if you if your goal is not to win a competitive game, just... Just discard people until you find good players, even if they're 17. Just, you know, keep, keep next man up. Next man up. <laughs> next man Eventually up. Eventually we, right. we find, uh, you know, whoever. Gio An 11 that don't, that don't suck. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. listen, the, 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 other, uh, the other sort of concern here, uh, well, actually, one more reason why I think Greg is running into this overcomplication problem is a, uh, a, little, a little ditty I heard in an interview with him in which he's he's asked why where did this system come from stone tablets <laughs> and he said it was from being a defender and getting beaten by attacks that moved us around so he's he has this what i my suspicion is that he's like uh he's like he's like a a, a young person who sees someone attractive on instagram and then tries to do their clothing in that way does that make sense? He's not, it's not actually him, you know, he, just be yourself. You're a defender, you know, but he's trying to be the teams that defeated him as a defender. And I think that there's a sort of mental gap there where he doesn't fully understand um, where that creativity and ability actually came from. He's trying to manufacture and replicate it. But yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that philosophy. I think that's exactly what you should do. You, I mean, but that's just fundamental soccer strategy. Like when you're defending, right. you want to minimize uh, chaos. And when you're attacking, you want to increase chaos. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the, just part of the nature of soccer because you're, yeah. if you, if, if the game, if nothing happens in the game, it's a victory for the defense, right? So, so, and if lots of things happen, that's a victory for the offense. So that's not, that's not a system. That's just how soccer works. Right, so I'm not, right. I'm not particularly inspired by this, that concept. But that's what I, but that's what I mean by it is it's not a, it's not a manufactured system. Attacks don't do that by drawing it up on a whiteboard. They do it by being creative players, period. Yeah, and being yeah, given sure. freedom to do that. Well, it, rem- uh, you know, it reminds right me moments. of uh, another fantastic YouTubeable interview, which is Thierry Henry on uh, Pep Guardiola. Oh, freedom. Freedom. <laughs> he's, he goes, freedom. He's like he says that uh, Guardiola's system was incredibly rigid in the in the rear two thirds of the field, and so you had to do things a certain way. And then Guardiola said, as soon as you cross that last third of the field and you're in their final third, go nuts. No, no do rules. Thing. Do your thing. Go and nuts, we we nuts. brought you in here because we know that you can succeed in that. Yeah. And like we clearly we don't have the talent to do exactly that. Um, but I think there's there's some wisdom there that like when it comes to the d- defensive part of our game, let's be solid in our build up. Like let's figure out some patterns, but like let's not overcomplicate it when it comes to the final third. Just play like you did uh, growing up, you know. And um, you know, so so for me, I don't mind him saying things like, "Hey guys, um, in defense, make sure you keep a solid shape." 
And in the build up, here's like two tools you can use to build up out of the back. That that seems fine to me. And then in attack, try to swap positions sometimes because it'll drag drag defenders out of <laughs> right. Yeah, way- when you when you have someone man marking you, try drifting into the middle so that that person yeah. has to come with you and that opens up space for for Lovitz. Yeah. Okay. Great. But we don't we don't need a freaking you know road scholar to to, yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. tell us that, and it doesn't have to be the system. It's just and they're they're like basic to, soccer they're, coaching. They're you referring know? to in a thousand page almanac every time they make a decision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're talking about a tabs Dave Sarakin uh, way to go, and uh, once again tab for president. All right, another tab for president. Then Dave Sarakin. Dave Sarakin was was fine. His his biggest issue was his selection weirdsies. That yeah. that you know, Julian Green started. Julian Green. All right, all right. Ugh. Speaking of selection weirdsies, okay. The other major glaring thing, and we may have buried the lead on this one, but aside from the tactics, were the sub decisions. Now, is it was it Jurgen who said you every team needs to have certain players who you live and die by, certain players that you never take off the field, and if they play poorly, the team plays poorly. Um, I, I you know. Uh, I, I don't care who said it. I feel watching this that that's kind of true. Like, yes, Polisic was struggling, but don't take him off the fucking field for Paul Ariola. Am we're, I a crazy we were person? At that point, right? No, that yeah. was right immediately. That we were tied. We were in it, and that you know, Polisic had thirty minutes to find the game. He had plenty of time, and then you take him off, and this this total meltdown happens. Of everyone in the universe is like, "What the fuck just happened?" And Alfonso Davies was like, ho, ho, "I'm going to take advantage of this," and <laughs> slotted one away. <laughs> uh, an, an injured Alfonso Davies, by the way. Who shout out to Alfonso Davies? You're the fucking man. But um. um yeah, I, what the fuck? Taking Polisic off in the sixtieth. What the fuck? I I think you could have found uh, some better subs, but I I I felt like Polisic was was really not himself and ha- hasn't yeah. been for a while. And you got to do something, you know. I I couldn't tell coming off the field whether he was upset at Burhalter or just upset about himself. And um, I couldn't tell either. Either way, either way. I mean, it's it's. That's not a bad thing, ultimately, for him to for him to experience. It's like I'd you know I'd much rather it be in the Nations League than uh, than than in World Cup qualifying. Then later on, um, yeah, this is the time for him to to trough yeah. so that he can peak later. Yes. So yes. After but, that sub, but yeah, before you could, the goal, you could just go for Ariola for Roldan or something, and then move Pulisic to the ten, and you know sh- shuffle it up a little bit, and then if he doesn't find else. the game, you know take him off in the eightieth or something. Yeah, yeah. So after the after the sub, but before mm. the goal, I would have been with you on that. Quick shout uh, out, the, by the way. Yes, J- John Herdman made fired all his bullets by like the sixty fifth minute, which is exactly what you should do in a game yeah. like this because you you need to keep that intensity high. And so often, coaches, including Tab, they fall in love with their eleven. You know, they work very hard on their eleven and the way that they want to play, and so they are resistant to taking players out. But players start flagging. Uh, and so it was the part of part of why Canada won is because they were able to maintain that energy for the full ninety, and the the subs made a huge difference in that. Uh, yeah. So, so so shout out, shout, shout out, out. and Greggy B didn't wait excru- excruciatingly long. Double sub in the seventy third. Uh, I can I could potentially get on board with the Polisic struggling life lesson sub, 
Um, but Nick Lima for DeAndre Yedlin in this situation. That's so bizarre. Like, Yedlin was, you, was the, the, with, the, with the only Cannon, attacking force. For he the was US. killing it. Yeah. I was I was sitting there moments before that sub thinking, man, Yedlin is underrated in other eras of, of this team. I think he would be like a lock-in. He's uh, you know, we need to be more grateful for Yedlin. And then he fucking subs him off. And am I wrong that Cannon was an option? Like Cannon Lima was an option. For real? Cannon Lima. was an option. Lima Lima was the third attacking sub. That at that point we were down. Yes. Shades of Lovitz in the in the Gold Cup final. Jesus. And Lima's uh, going out there, you know, I love you, Lima, but he's like trying to hype the team up like he's a fucking leader. <laughs> and he's like, dude, shut the fuck up and suck I lo- less. I loved Greg's quote coming into this, which was you know, we've part of the reason why we're bringing guys like Lovitz and Lima is just because we have so much experience with them. <laughs> oh god! And I'm just like, I'm just like slamming my head against the table. It's like the the continued justification for mediocrity is that we've only ever selected mediocre players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the quote. This is the way we've always done things. The, yes. the that's the sentence that kills every business. Uh, listen. So I utterly confusing. I want to bring up one more, um, yeah, one, last one more very important uh, Burhalter problem, which is a little more meta. It was pointed out to us once again. Shouts to the Quamdas last night in the text stream that Dar- the, the and the the observation was why did Darlington Nagby say no to this guy? This this yeah. is a this is a person who who worked his tail off to get a chance for a national team that he loves and then turned down the call up. And is there something going on with Greg's relationship uh, to certain players, I will say? Um, Yeah. And it doesn't bode well for guys like Dest or Mendez or Ledesma. Precisely. Um, Yeah. Definitely concerning. We, we're not privy to those conversations, but um, Nagby had a lot of chances to interact with Greg, and if he liked him, I think he'd be here. <laughs> so I think that's there's, it's clearly a personal issue. It's it's not that he doesn't want to play for the national team anymore necessarily. Um, I mean, maybe it is, but and he he was he was in uh, he did start in Trinidad, you know, so that 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 can leave some scars. Um, but you'd have to imagine that, that he'd be here otherwise. And he's, he's been great. He's, he's just, he's a fantastic player. And I think, I think he, he's the one I've been calling for to be that, that new, uh, fullback at whatever slot happens to be available. Um, people, people have been coming at me on Twitter for this viewpoint are observing that his defense is not that good. That's not what I've seen. I've, I've seen him always be. Uh, stout. He's just never been in situations where he's been counted on for that. And I just think he's such a flexible and smart player. He could do it. All um, right. But anyway, so Na- yes. Nagby, Nagby not being here is concerning. And Dest, I mean, bro, waking up to this result, y- you want to hitch your wagon to this shit show, honestly? I mean, and then yeah, Dest, no, I, and then what are the promises that Berhalter can make? Oh, we, I, I really love you. I value you. We're going to play you every chance that we get. Okay, well, you're going to get fired at some point because you're fucking it up. So where does that leave me? Serginho Dest. Yeah. I am Serginho Dest. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dude, so. it's not good. And honestly, like, 
I love this team, um, but I, I'm I'm with you, Dust. As a human being, like, do the right thing, dude. And I, I, it kills me to say it. It kills. It absolutely kills me to say it. But this is this is not the headliner. It hasn't been good. Um, all right. So where does that leave us from here? We're looking forward. We've got a month. Uh, what is the, let's, I mean, I have to assume that Greg is locked in. There's, I, I don't think this guy gets fired It's not even worth considering. So we're, we're gregging, we're gregging until we die. And what is the best case scenario, um, in the next six weeks for this Greg team in the, in the, in, we're going back to the first, to the, to the first me, the me that's submitted to this situation and has seen decent signs what is our what is our hope for this uh, next six weeks? I think our best hope is that there is some sort of come to Jesus meeting with the the leaders of the team, who include some youngsters and Berhalter, and that there's there's sort of a a pact made about how the team is going to run from here on out. Uh, and that's obviously not ideal, um, but it's that's that's the the only thing that I can envision really working because I I can't see him getting fired and I can't I can't see the players um, moving on without significant change or you know improving without significant change. So that's my hope is just that the players feel feel empowered and like they don't have anything to lose because I mean honestly like if Pulisic goes up to him and and you know, with with Bradley, with you know some of the some of the senior guys, and communicates clearly and openly. I feel like he has to listen. I don't. I don't think he can just drop Polisic because Polisic has problems with his style. You know, we'll find out. I, guess. I mean, we'll find out. But the man has surrounded himself with yes men. I mean, this team is half is is half people who would never be here in a million years except for Greg. So when you have a Will Trap, a a, a Lima Bean, a Lovitz, all saying, we fucking love this guy, you know, a Sardes, <laughs> like this guy's the man. It's going to be hard to have like a team revolt, a team mutiny. Um. Yeah. Yeah, you could be right. I mean, what what's what's the realistic? The realistic possibility is that he just doesn't listen and then he does drop Weston and uh Pulisic and Bradley all at once um and Sergeant will throw in there you know I think I guess that's within the realm of possibility like that's the kind of thing that happens in in uh in this sport that though however that is a fireable offense if you lose Weston McKenney and Christian Pulisic. Everything so far is a fireable offense, but he, no, I mean, what he I mean can't is, be fired. You know, he just no. I mean, just not in in the fired. world that we actually live in, losing the ratings and losing the the the, the TV stars, losing the three hundred thousand people who watch this shit show. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, don't know. I, I mean, know what you're yeah. saying, but the, I think I think in even in the world we live in, dropping Pulisic and McKenney is is potentially. Fire, a fireable offense. Now, yeah, okay, uh, my right. hope, yeah. my hope is that we continue to just see growth. I mean, look, the thing that the, I have, I have seen signs of life. I can see this working in if if they had more time to work on it. And it may just be that over the next six weeks they get a little bit better, and you know Daniel Lovitz goes home, 
and we get one more player on the on the sheet that we we like and are happy with. Josh Sargent's now starting. It seems like and we just slowly get another couple steps forward to where in a year when the heck starts, we're like a halfway decent team. I, that's that's the best hope uh, for me. Yeah, I mean, I I could see it. I could see it. I think um, you know he he has to change and grow, and he has shown that he's willing to do that. Um, but it's, it's just been like one step forward and two steps back, you know, every, every time we think he's, he's evolving, it's, you know, there's another crazy decision. So, um, it's, it's very disheartening, but I, I, you know, as I've been, uh, as I've been emphasizing to, to the peeps out there, because, uh, we, we kind of do need a reason to, to love the team at this point. You know, if you're listening to this show, dude, if you, if you're going to like set Put it in your calendar to watch the return leg of this. You are OG. Like, pat yourself on the back. You, <laughs> no one can ever take away your USMNT fandom. <laughs> and correct. You know, the, the, country, the country needs you all. And the re- everybody else is going to catch up. You know, the team's eventually going to be good. Maybe it's this cycle. Maybe it's next cycle. Maybe it's the miracle happens with this coach. Probably not, but probably a future coach. They'll probably shell out for some good coach for for twenty six, you know, and so so just try to remember why you like this team in the first place, and you know it's not necessarily about winning. There's there's a lot of uh, sports um, fan bases that have endured some some losses. I'm thinking of like the Houston Astros, who who sure. had two hundred loss. Uh, seasons in recent memory with some of the same, same players that they have now. And they did that thing, you know, slow build and progression. And so just, just try to try to keep the faith because what, what you love about this team is not the coach and it's not the tactics. And it's, I don't think it's even the players. It's something about American soccer that just draws you in and that's where I'm at. And so I'm, I'm here thick and thin. It's the motherfucking crest. Hey, I'll end on one last note. That's not so sad. I think that uh, Wesley McKenney played pretty well, and I think generally yeah. speaking, his one-on-one defending is underrated. Yes, his defensive positioning is a little wacky at times, but I really what I what I see is a modern-day Jermaine Jones in the making, and modern-day Jermaine Jones plays higher up the field, and that's fucking Weston McKenney, and he's slick with it. He ha- he can pass, he can dribble, and don't underestimate this kid's one-on-one. He'll he'll catch up to you, and he will rob you. In right in front of the police, man. and then beat a defender. I mean, he's he's the he's the epitome of the box to box midfielder in, yeah. in the modern game. He's fantastic. Yeah, we're lucky right. to have him. Oh, I hope right. he doesn't mutiny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess we'll just uh, leave it right there, folks. Stay with us. Stay tuned. Much more with us. to come. This is all just foreplay, I guess. To the. Uh, uh, maybe not go down that analogy. Um, so, Let's not explain that analogy. <laughs> we get it. We get it. We get it. We get it. I love. Um, I love a good solid uh, bacon, egg, and cheese. Mm. Uh, sometimes they take Bex. a little too long to get made, but I do like them. I also love a um, an inadvertently poorly uh, designed advertisement. Yeah, I think that's hilarious. Uh, this one relates to my bacon, egg, and cheese. The coffee shop down the street said wrote a sign that said. Our egg sandwich is worth missing. Underline, <laughs> underline, underline. And then in very small letters, it said, the train for. 
That shit was so funny. I was like, I am going to buy your sandwich. Uh, so Fuck I work. love those two things. <laughs> I love those two things. And I also love a, uh, a good heart to heart conversation uh, with your, with your best friend or significant other or parent. Doesn't matter. Your loved one. Uh, the heart to heart. Your national are, team coach. Or your national team coach. That's <laughs> what relationships are made of. So they can be hard, but enjoy them, folks. But I don't love any of that shit. I'll tell you what. As much as I love these gnats. Let's go, boys. Let's go, boys. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people.